Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Oh, goodness. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Oh, my God. Um, we're in hell. We're in hell. The only demons are here. The hell is called Earth. And the hell is... Li- and the medium is Lions football. We're not going to self-flagellate too much because... Uh, what can I say? We do this. We, we we make our own bed in this. We're, we're here to cover the Lions. And I don't think I deserve to grouse. Um, I don't deserve a lot of things in life i don't know if i deserve or do not deserve probably the weirdest field goal i've ever seen on basically a prayer and then another prayer to go in and then somehow that changes the entire narrative of the game because of a lucky damn bounce but i am chris perfett the adequate host the uh terrified adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, back from the massacre itself. Just living in hell and being poked by the the devil himself, Justin Tucker. He doesn't look that devilish. He is an absolute demon. I hate him. Hmm. We're going to need a third opinion, so let's bring in Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother- at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, uh, Rock as the Rock God and Rock being the tool of the devil. Can we get the ruling on Justin Tucker? Um, yeah, no, Justin Tucker is bad, but um, he's bad because he missed his first field goal from 49 yards. Which, what did that do, Ryan? Why is that, why is that statistically important at all other than probably made that last field goal not count? Uh, $20 free bet. It is what it is, but is it not insane that on the same day that Justin Tucker kicks a 66-yard field goal, the longest in NFL history, and it goes off the freaking crossbar and goes in, that Matt Prater also attempts the longest field goal in NFL history from 68 yards, and it's returned 109 yards for a touchdown by Jamal Agnew. Still not as impressive as the kick sex. Close, though. Ugh. Pain is what is in store for everybody. I said we're in hell. I said we're in hell. Ryan and I, Ryan and I, tried to get out the positives from this game uh, in the post game show. We'll probably rebound to a few of those here now that Jeremy's here, and Ryan and I are predicting that Jeremy's going to be the cold water on whatever we've got. But we start with the end of that game, and we start with i oh god jeremy i i hate doing this because number one you know me i hate talking about officiating i don't subscribe to all these curses that the lions fans do i think this team gets as much crap 
thrown on it from bad officiating or weird snafus as some other teams out there. It's just that we like maybe a little bit more, but it's not anything significant that I can even fight against. And the other thing I hate doing is breaking down two is like getting caught in the trap of two final drives. But you know what? This is a special hellish day. So let's just slam right into those sand traps. Yeah, so. I mean, <laughs> listen, let, let's just, yeah, I say let's get the, the, the delay game oh, out of the God. way right off the top just so that we can stop talking about it. Okay. So it, for, for those, for those who don't know, should we get, should I get the feedback, the background or if you want, I have to imagine sure. everyone listening. It's knows what happened. Just, just, <laughs> just in case, just in case you were watching and didn't catch it though. And you're wondering what the hell they're talking delay a game. So, uh, was it on the fourth and nineteen throw? No, nope, no. It was uh, it, after it was they the, spiked it. It was the throwaway. Yeah. It was the. It was the. It was the throwaway. What? Yes. The throwaway. Throw okay. After the spike. This is this is why I need to keep this straight because my head won't keep it straight. <laughs> after the spike, it looked like the clock went down to zero, and they were able to get off a play with like two seconds after it hit zero. wasn't called as a. It wasn't called as a delay of game. And this is how this is now sent all Lions fans into hell. Yeah. I, whatever. So, yeah, the, the, the situation there is, you know, if that is actually a delay a game, it moves the field goal back five yards. They don't probably don't even attempt a 72 yarder. And, and Justin Tucker certainly is doesn't make a 72 yarder. Um, the, the key things to keep in mind here are that the clock that you see on the TV is not the same one that the officials are dealing with. Um, the officials also give a little bit of leeway, um, whereas like as soon as they see it turn to zero, they can as the time it takes for them to look at zero and look at the play. You get that kind of freebie. But whatever. Maybe it was a bad call. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe the Lions get an apology from the league. Maybe they don't. Um, it sucks. It's it feels unfortunate. Um, we all want officiating to be better. And we're all mad about it. But the Lions fucked up a lot in the last two minutes of that game. And yeah, I, a lot of it was self-inflicted. I, I, I know. I, but I, I, I guess my problem is that I don't want to like brush it off as saying, oh, the Lions had other chances to ice the game up. But like, I think my problem, Ryan, we were talking about this. It just feels like that was more of CBS's clock being wrong. Yeah, and like, they, we, I saw it like jumping multiple times. Like they couldn't get the on the CBS's clock. They couldn't actually get the time right on several other downs. Yeah, on, on CBS's overlay, there there were some problems with uh, the clock at the end of the half. Um, the first half when the Lions were doing some some plays where Jamal Williams got some touches and um, ran off a few seconds, but then the seconds were given back to it. So I, I don't think the CBS's clock operator clock operator was making their money today by any means um but i i'm with jeremy from from at least one standpoint i I, i'm with him in the sense that we're we're not gonna take the lions off the hook for a 66 yard field goal getting converted because of a delay a game that didn't get called. I'm not, oh, I'm not, I'm not even sure that. how much we can put them on the hook. This is a completely different game. If that bounce off the crossbar goes just right. That, that's the other point wrong. to make is that the lines played well enough where it <laughs> took a 66 yard field goal. It took the longest field goal in NFL history to beat. Right. The that Detroit also lions. had right. a one in 5,000 chance to bounce the right way to go in on a bank shot. Right. But I, I guess my point is, if you're griping about one aspect of that game, if you're griping about the officiating in that game, there are other things that you can gripe about. Because 
you're right. Like we're, we should get into the second. Se- I think in the second segment we'll get about into the positives because I have a lot of positives to come from this game. Mm-hmm. I, I was actually. Sure. I mean, this was a this was a great second half. It was probably the best second half we've seen in in I, I would say of, of the the team to date, and um, it included a lot of improvements we were waiting on. But uh, I, I just submitted an article on it. I, the the coaching decisions at the end of the game deserve just as much scrutiny as the co- as as the refereeing. And to me. That delay a game would have been a gift, right? It would have been a gift. The Lions didn't earn it. The, the, the Ravens did, probably. But in the end, it, it was not something the Lions did to earn that. They, did, they made some mistakes to earn themselves that loss. Like, go into a shell at, on offense. When you had that game on the line, your offense was moving the entire second half. You move all the way down the field to, to, to get into field goal range, and you turtle. You decide... Ravens got two timeouts. We've got three plays. Let's milk clock. Let's milk the timeouts. Let's make it so we have to get Lamar Jackson. We, we're putting the, the ball game in Lamar Jackson and, and Justin Tucker's hands, which two very dangerous people to put the game on the line. Then you go on defense. You get a sack on first down. Awesome. Four-man rush, great. Second down, you get another pass rush with that four-man rush, force an incomplete pass. Third down. Another sack with the four-man rush. Then what do you do? You call a timeout. You bled the Ravens' timeouts on purpose for this reason so that they would have to be hurried. They wouldn't have, you know, they couldn't stop the clock unless they went out of bounds or spiked the ball. And you call a timeout, and Lamar Jackson calls it a gift from God after the game because that dude was running for his freaking life. He was sacked twice, and he was facing a fourth and 19. You had all the reason to keep that clock running and screw Lamar Jackson. And he says, we changed the play after that timeout. I got a breath of fresh air. What would, are you doing? Would you, would you say that that changed the momentum of that drive, Jeremy? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I oh. specifically avoided. I specifically hmm. avoided the word. Mo- it wasn't momentum. It was the fact that you had a quarterback who had just gotten hit on two on three plays in a row. He's tired as hell. So keep that rolling instead of calling a yes. timeout. Yeah, it's not, well, okay. You, if we're going to talk about words, then save it for another time. And then the last one is you rush for four on first down. You rush four on second down. You rush four on third down. You rush three on fourth down. What are you doing? Every single coach gets burned by the three man rush. Fourth we and need 19. To, we need to bring we it decide. back. Jeremy's all no, over the place. No, 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 no. I need no, to finish, I, this, I, point. I need, I need I need finish this, point. this point. Okay. okay. You're okay. Off, your defensive like, line is killing play. them. Your defensive line is killing them. And you say, no. Let's put the game on Will Harris's freaking hands. And what does he do? Oh, Dan Campbell says, oh, we had the right play call. It was a miscommunication. Why do you think it was a miscommunication? Is it because your secondary sucks right now? Is it because you have, you know, four hey, stringers out there? Careful. You're lumping in AJ Parker with the secondary. Don't be, don't be doing that. Now, <laughs> I, I need to slow it down. I need to slow it down because each piece deserves some scrutiny here. Go for it. Yes. I, Ryan... We, I think we talked, we were talking about it and the offense on that final drive, like, and it, it sucks. Cause literally like the set before that I'm praising Anthony Lind calling basically a great, you know, ball game for, for that final drive. And then instead you get within field goal range for Ryan Santoso. And like, the problem is, is like when you know, when the other team knows you're setting up f- for a field goal, they know you're just running it, which means they can bring the house on the run every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And two yeah. yards and three plays. I, I, 
I had I had issues with that. I thought that on third down, um, if they wanted to play the clock game, they got to third down. Take a shot. If you get a first down, that wins you the game. If you get a touchdown, that wins you the game. Like there was there was no reason, I, I, I think, for the Lions to get into a a pissing match with Superman right there. There was no reason for them to spit into the wind. There was no reason for them to tug on Lamar Jackson's cape. With all that being said, I thought that the Lions defense for three quarters played way above their pay grade. And I think it had everything to do with the coaching staff. I think it had everything to do with Aaron Glenn. I think it had everything to do with the secondary. We'll we'll get to all of that in a minute. But to to Jeremy's second point, okay, Um, and that was the point about the was that about the pass rush or was that about the timeout? timeout. About the timeout on. Yeah, I'm honestly 50 50 on it. Because if there's something that Dan Campbell saw that he didn't like, I think he's well within his right to call a timeout. It's fourth and 19. Okay, fourth and 19. We're talking about the probability of them converting a fourth and 19. Now, if you want to make the case that you had momentum on their side, <laughs> then you can or go ahead and do that. that. Lamar Jackson made. He specifically said. But I'm saying that if there is something that Dan Campbell, if there is something that the coordinator saw that they wanted to say, hey, look, we're not in the right look for this. I, I'm honest. I'm t- I, I think I think that's a little nitpicky on the timeout. I understand that Lamar Jackson thinks it was a big it was a quote unquote gift from God. OK, well, maybe he should get vaccinated if he wants a gift from God. OK, but if what I'm what I'm saying is, I think the timeout is kind of negligible, like it, it's fourth and 19. Put your team in the best position to make a play and make a stop. Which takes you to the third point. They should not have called off the dogs. Romeo Quara was, dude, that guy is a dude. Yep. And we, we can talk about the positives from this game in the second segment. But I, 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 I'm in agreement with you too, Jeremy. Like, if you are generating a rush, if you're generating a push with four guys, and it's fourth and 19, and Lamar Jackson is, is running for his life, then why aren't you doing the same thing on fourth down? It worked downs one through three. And it worked for pretty much three quarters of the game. Why would you call? Why would you call them off? So I think you're. You're like Jack Fox. You're like, two if for you three, call a timeout like to, to change into a three man rush. <laughs> I, 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 I put more on the offense than I do on the defense just because like I get it. It's bad that you gave him the timeout. It's bad that Sammy Watkins got free to do what he did there. But I just have more of a problem that in addition to settling for the field goal on the offense, you gave a full, a full minute for Lamar Jackson to work with. And that's the part I really can't count. That's too much. Like that's, that's why I go for the conversion. I understand Jared Goff looks really bad in this game. Like I'm not happy with what I saw out of Jared Goff, but that was more on pressure than on him throwing any kind of interceptions. Maybe I'm terrified of an interception late that game, but at the same time, better to live in love and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You go for that first down. That's all. Even if you're going to set up for the field goal, at least ble- bleed more time off the clock. That first down marker is right there. Yeah. I mean, like, you like you had options. Anyone. You just had to convert. And again, like they, like the, the Ravens defense knew what you were doing. They call, they, they called you twice on your bluff, uh, I mean, on on trying on running the ball. They called twice and they stuffed you twice. They knew exactly what you were trying to do, that you were just setting up for a field goal and getting a little timid near at the end. 
And hey, congrats to Ryan Santoso. 35 yards is apparently a professional career long for him. Just to me, when you know that Justin Tucker's on that opposite sideline, you know Lamar Jackson only needs to pick up like 30 yards. And and I don't care how good your defense was playing in that second half, and it was playing pretty damn good. You do not want to give Lamar Jackson a full minute. That's I mean, that's that's a ton of time in today's NFL. We, we just got done with an air of Matthew Stafford showing that sometimes 30 seconds is too much for a good quarterback. And, and they have Justin Tucker, which means they barely need to cross the 50-yard line to get in field goal position. And you, you, you rolled those dies. And, and it came up snake eyes. And yes, it was all improbable. Yes, hey guys. They, they did everything right until that, that fourth and 19 play. But they still rolled the dice. And it's the snake eyes. And, it was, and, and, and it's partially their fault. They could have put the game away. That, and it, it, it's also that the offense was just rolling that drive, that half, everything was working mm, for that offense in that half. And yeah. they decided to hit the brakes yeah, on their own. Jeremy, like you're making all the arguments for momentum right now. And like fundamentally, you don't agree <laughs> with that because what I'm you're, saying you're is saying- look at, no, look at the first half. No points. The Lions it, offense was atrocious. It was terrible. It was, it was momentum. Fr- Dude. They gave they finally gave the ball to to DeAndre Swift in the passing game like that worked. All I, all I I'm going to again put this here in that we're not I don't f- like maybe we're squelching on them for the for the for going conservative on the field goal. But if Justin Tucker doesn't hit a one in five thousand shot, I don't think we're talking like this. Like maybe we are because we're nitpicky. Everyone else certainly isn't. Of course not. We're, I mean, we're, it's, it's basically the Lions held on and like, yeah, but again, like. I'm not upset the, that the Lions lost. Yeah. I'm not no, upset I'm not, that the Lions I'm not lost. either. I'm more, I'm more, I'm just more upset that it is once again turned into like nitpicky on the final drives. And also, hey, this franchise is just cursed. Oh my God, the curse. This only happens to the Lions. This only happens to the Lions. Yeah, I but I, I, th- I think there's. <sighs> I think there's some credence to being nitpicky with a first time head coach. And I know sure. like he, he was on an interim basis in Miami. OK, but whatever. But like this is his first time. He has the reins. He was chosen for this job. I think there's some good things that we should mention. Sure. I love I loved him challenging the Khalif Raymond catch for for that should have been a first down. Like that was yep. at the end of the half. Sure. There were timeouts that you weren't going to use. It was worth a challenge. It was, it was an opportunity for the Lions to put their first well, points on the board. Hold on to that, because I think we, I want to take a break and I want to talk a lot of the good because I feel like there is a lot of good. Yeah. And I that's that's again, my frustration is I don't want to break this game just down to its final two drives, even though those drives deserve a lot. These drives, there's a lot of scrutiny because this is where the game kind of got lost. In a lot of ways. And we're back here again. Lions. Our 0-3, we're talking about curses, we're talking about officiating, we're talking about Justin Tucker. The three evils rising up, but we'll take a step back from the, br- from the brink, revitalize, put some positivity in there if you want it on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Coming up right next. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Friday Detroit POD cast. Uh, let's put uh, a football game is 60 minutes, not just the final couple of minutes there. So we are going to endeavor to talk about the rest of the game because I think that deserves attention. Uh, Ryan, I know, thinks that deserves attention. I think Jeremy also believes in it. So we're going to try to take the bird's eye view and then slaughter that bird. Um, besides what happened at the end of this game on a meltdown and the appropriate parties deserve the criticism that they will receive for the end of this game and the meltdown. Besides that and a couple of sticking points, I think there was a lot of positives from this game. And I know I'm going to sound like a psychotic fan or something, but. I really think there were positives from this game. Yeah, and, and to me, the, the like fact, to the fact that the Baltimore Ravens got out of this game with just 16 points before the, the, the Tucker field goal. That's a huge dub. Yeah, no question. Go on, Jeremy. Yeah, well, like, like, I, I was just going to say, like, scratching the surface, the, the positives, like, I, I think a lot of people will be like, oh, you guys are, you know, it's all about, you know, just like moral victory. Why are you guys taking moral victories when this team is trash? No, it, it's not about that. It's about showing market improvement week to week, which is what we all kind of went into the season hoping for, right? Like we all realized it was going to be a rough season. We all realized they're going to pile up some L's, but we were just hoping that the product we see in December is much better than the product we see in September. And they're on their way because yeah, you're right. The defense was a lot better in this game. And I continue to be, I know I just railed on the coaching staff, but overall, in terms of their game planning, in terms of their adjustments, I think the coaching staff has done an excellent job. An excellent job. Um, considering they have a secondary that's dealing with as many injuries as they are and as, as young as they are. Considering that they decided to let Jamie Collins go, essentially, you know, putting in another rookie into the lineup. And they come out after that effort without Trey Flowers, another veteran. And they come out, and like you said, essentially hold the Ravens to 16 points in that game and it wasn't perfect the secondary still has a lot of issues there were still way too many wide open receivers and broken coverage and things like that but Ryan alluded to it at the front like the defensive line showed up today we came into this offseason thinking this defensive line could be the strength of the team and could be really good they were really good in this game really good in this game and it makes you think maybe it was just rust. Maybe maybe Brockers just needed to get the rust off. Maybe Nick Williams just needed to get the rust off. Maybe the O'Quar brothers just needed to team up and kick the hell out of the, the Ravens offensive line. And and sure, they have some issues on their offensive line with Ronnie Stanley out and all that sort of stuff, but pressure all day. And not just pressure, but containment. They did such a good job containing Lamar Jackson in this game. One and I know he play. finished Yeah, one bad exactly. Thirty one yards on one play, the other six go for a combined twenty seven. That's fantastic you hold the ravens to 116 yards in one game in rushing i am sure you guys have already heard the stat like 41 straight games where they're over 100 116 is a phenomenal job by that defense and so i was really proud of their effort 
I was really proud of just seeing the defense improve because that's that's what we're looking for. We're looking for week-to-week improvement. The Lions have two of their top veterans out in this game, and they look better than ever. That's good coaching. That gets me excited. That gets me fired up. Uh, that's a perfect segue into my point, which I, I wanted to make sure that we highlighted the fact that one of the highest paid Lions on the roster, Trey Flowers, did not play. Yep. Jamie Collins did not play. If, if you're telling any Lions fan that two of the perceived top players on the defense heading into the season weren't playing in this game, people would be shaking in their boots, man. Like, the, the Lions, it, it, it's the coaching staff, it's coaching up the young players. A.J. Parker looks like he can be a guy in this league. I mean, not only in coverage, but he's coming up. He's playing play. He's making plays in run defense. There was a play where there there was a play where he almost sacked Lamar Jackson and affected him just enough so that he could, um, you know, affect his pass that he threw to Mark Andrews that was off target in the end zone. Like this is the thing that you want to see week to week is you want to see players making contributions who will stick around and play a factor in this team's building of something you know what i mean and 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 you have that and i'm i'm very encouraged by the way the defense played Uh, i want to see if chris has anything to add about the defense before we move on to the offense no i was going to i i thought there was pretty much about it for 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 the defense i i again i again want to stress that the lions are playing with two undrafted undrafted free agent rookies in their corners bobby price and aj parker and I don't yeah. know if they're going to continue to play like that, but holy God, like you're getting production out of them, out of, out of people who were picked out of the bargain bin who had no one calling them on it from Cleveland. Like I, I do have two things I want to mention. One is that this is the first game we finally saw the Lions defensive line be able to tee off, right? The, mm-hmm. the last two games, They've, they've just been getting into third and twos or not even getting into third down, not, not being able to just know like, hey, we can just rush the pass right here because they're not going to run the ball. And what happened? That, I mean, that last drive is what, what this defense is capable of. They rushed four for those first three plays, got someone home every single time because they can pass rush. They can pin their ears back. And that's what the lines need to get to. And, and hopefully they eventually get there because they, they got themselves into a lot of fortunate downs in this game. And, and that's why I think you saw the pass rush so much better in this game. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention, and it's something curious because it seems to keep happening every year, but Dean Marlowe took over for Tracy Walker halfway through this game. And, and yeah, Tracy Walker made his way back onto the game eventually, but what's going on there guys. (laughs) I, I, obviously the lines are having some safety issues right now. And most of people, most people are pointing the the arrow right at, at Will Harris, but the lines made the decision to take Tracy Walker out of the game. Uh, for and maybe maybe he's the one that messed up on the broken coverage. I I I don't know, and and that was punishment or or whatever it was. But what do you guys make of that? Like it's you it's talking about the play, tra- the play Renee for the touchdown. Well, I, I'm just talking about the benching of Tracy Walker again. Like this this ha- I feel like this happens every year. And Dean Marlowe Dean Marlowe took a spot for for a good chunk of this game. And and is is this trait? Have we given given up on Tracy Walker at this point? Like what's going on here? I don't know if we can say that we we've given up on Tracy Walker, but I, I think it feels like in this defense that there's more opportunities for the player that's in Will Harris's position to shine because of the because of the way that that player plays and runs support. 
And I think Will Harris, for all intents and purposes, has had like a decent season so far. I mean, but that's also why you're not seeing Tracy Walker, you know, getting replaced for Dean Marlowe. Like, I mean, Will Harris isn't getting replaced for Dean Marlowe because I think Will Harris is doing a commendable job with the Tracy Walker thing. It's going to be really interesting to dig into the film on the Duvernay touchdown because that was a clear miscommunication by the safeties because Mark Andrews on a on a post route attracts two players. And Amani Orarie is stuck trying to make up ground for a safety that should have been over the top. So yep. there, there was some clear communi- miscommunication there. I think it was Tracy Walker's side. But again, we got to look at the film to, to see who it was. Yeah. One more note. And I I, ju- I will jump right into the offense out of this. But uh, you guys mentioned him earlier. I think Julian Okwara needs more playing time. I, I, like I'm, I'm watching a replay of his play now. We're on second and 13. And he barrels over, like knocks the, the guard on him, his right? ass. Yeah, knocks the guard on his ass and forces that crap throw from from Lamar Jackson. Real quick, hungry as hell. I, and yeah. one last thing about the edge guys, like Austin Bryan got a sack today. I mean, great, mm-hmm. great for that guy to be healthy and be out there showing out. And also, what the hell? He's wearing number two. That freaked <laughs> me out. Um, but I, even, uh, oh man, I'm blanking. Charles Harris, right? Pass yeah. rusher? Yeah. yeah Charles Harris. Even Anzalone, Anzalone got involved today, too. Anzalone had a sack. Anzalone looked like, I mean, he looked better next to Derek Barnes. I, I, overall, I yeah, want to say that the defense made an improvement. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, let me talk. Let me, let me, I, I really want to talk about right. the offense. I, yeah. Because I think it is all massively improved except for one critical spot. The offensive line is still fantastic as far as I'm concerned, like still fantastic, still held up. I do temper it in that the the Ravens lost, I think four of their starting uh, four of their front seven due to COVID before this game. So not all starters, but yeah, a lot of them. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's something to keep in mind there. That said though, like the offensive line is still setting up, uh, up quite a bit and good protection for Jared Goff. And DeAndre Swift, this was probably one of the more impressive games out of DeAndre Swift. I feel like we've seen this kind of performance out of DeAndre Swift before this year so far, but over again, over 100 yards, 170 yards from scrimmage and caught everything thrown his way. And he was a, he's a versatile weapon out there. And Jamal Williams is no slouch. I think that, I don't know if that's that positive competition going on there, but both of them, played like hell and Jamal Williams fought like hell to get that touchdown. Both of them pick up a touchdown on the day and both look fantastic. And I'm starting to see, I, I don't know what to read into Khalif Raymond yet, but at least like he can, he can make those connections when it counts. The point where I am worried a little bit is Jared Goff. And Again, I know I'm just praising the receivers and I'm praising the running backs for catching those, but Jared, I, I don't know when the Lions will draft a quarterback, but if it, if it was someone different with this right now, you'd see just a marked improvement because Jared Goff still, I, I, I get it. He, he, he connects for 22 out of 30, 22 out of 30 attempts. But a lot of that is some low yardage, easy to convert 
efficiency plays. That'll get him nice numbers on those efficiency metrics that'll come out like CPOE and EPA. I, but anything else, I'm not buying into on him. And more than that, the vision that he lacks, he locked up when pressure was coming at him on both of those sacks. He saw that pressure clear as day. And rather than trying to get the ball away, he just backs up and then takes, eats the sack. But other so, than golf, other than golf, everything else, I, I mean it though. Like I, I, that's, that's a big, that's a big, but there to say that your quarterback's kind of flubbing it up here, but we kind of expected that, but everything else on this offense right now, I, I, I yeah, I'd like to see more receivers involved, but like, the, the core of what we knew this team's identity was going to be on the running backs and offensive line still looks solid. Mostly. Mostly. I, I think, I think this is the worst offensive line game of the season. It wasn't bad per se, but Jonah Jackson took a couple of really bad penalties. Panay Sewell had a false start on drive. I mean, two fourth, fourth and ones got spoiled because offensive linemen mm-hmm. jumped. And, you know, for the, the Ravens are a lot Darren of... Fels? Oh, well, yeah, I'm sorry. Darren Phelps is one of them. Yeah. You're right. Um, <clears throat> uh, but either way, like Jonah Jackson had a couple bad penalties, raced an eight yard run, um, you know, tacked on another, you know, half a distance to the goal or whatever with the, the, with the personal foul. And he- here's the thing, like first half lines running game. Great. 11 rushes, 69 yards, 6.3 yards per carry. Great. Second half when, you know, that they, they need to run the ball and, and maybe burn some clock, 16 rushes. 24 yards, 1.5 per carry. This is my concern, is that the Lions can run the ball a little bit, but can they run the ball when they need to, when everyone on the field and in the stands knows they need to run the ball? And so far, that answer is no. They, they haven't, they, you know, they failed to convert on a fourth and one in week one. They, haven't, they didn't really get an opportunity to run the ball when, they, when everyone knew they were going to run the ball against the Packers because they were down by so much. And in the fourth quarter here, when they needed 10 yards in three plays and they decided to run, 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 they go backwards tw- two yards. I think I think for most teams, the NFL these days, though, if you try to run, run, run and the offense and the defense knows you're going to run, 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 you're going to get stuffed every time. Oh. It doesn't matter who you are. So that's unless you're, I mean, Titans. It, it's not, unless, unless listen, you're Titans. Like, it's, I'm it's, just saying, that's what, if, that's if what I feel team, like. If this yeah. team wants to act like they're a top five rushing attack, they need to be able to do that. They need to be able to run clock and win games with their running game because that's I, what good I was going to say. Or, or the next best thing is you need to trust yourself enough to do a play action sure. and bite them. Uh, you're, you're not going to get any blowback from me on that. We just talked about yeah. how I didn't agree with that strategy. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about with, with Jared Goff is, again, it was a tale of two halves. He was horrible in the first half. He was spooked. He was seeing ghosts. ghosts. He was inaccurate. I really Nothing have to working. stress. Those, those two sacks were backbreakers they to were. both those drives. And they were bad. Those were awful. He saw them coming a mile away and... Anyone else would have gotten rid of the ball. But his second half. You want to hear his second half stats? No, I, I know. I know. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. 14 of 15 for 160 yards. 14 of 15. They, they found plays that work for him. And yes, a lot of them were short dump offs. But guess what? If they're working, they're working. And DeAndre I, I Swift agree. was a menace. And, and Khalif Raymond had a huge play on a, on a perfectly timed, like, and that's to me, like why my takeaway is I hated the coaching at the end of the game, but I love the coaching in, in okay, the game because they made adjustments. They realized when the Ravens are sending all these blitz and maybe you should have come in knowing that they were going to do that. They found ways to counter it by in the short passing game and it worked and it was running and it was, it was working, it was working. And then they ran. Okay. The okay. But I, I, I accept all that, but what are we talking about, about that strategy about you need a first down to, to put away that game? 
in one of those final two drives. Jared Goff, they they it, it, clearly they don't trust Jared Goff to try to convert that for them. You can't. So like, what what, what can I really do here? Yeah, like okay, but th- that's a limitation of Jared Goff, right? And that's this, why the Rams traded him. It, it, but it's it, a bet. But I'm just saying, like, it, it, for any evaluation of Jared Goff, I'm sorry, like you need to be like it, it, you don't even need to be that great to at least be able to convert something like that. This is an emerging trend. Jared Goff cannot play a complete game of football if it's up to him. Okay, yeah. so th- this is who Jared Goff is. Like Jared Goff in the first half. There were opportunities where they ran play action and he was running for his life. There were opportunities where they threw they they gave him the opportunity to to step back and throw a ball deep. He was locked in on one read. He had Darren Fells wide open, wide open across the middle of the field. But he's locked in on that outside receiver because he's got one one on one coverage. He's going to throw it to him. You know why? Because he's been seeing pressure all game long. And I think this goes to Jeremy's point. I think the the offensive line maybe didn't have their best game of the season because that Ravens defense did everything they freaking could to throw every exotic looking front, every kind of different looking blitz with, with twists and stunts and all the good stuff. And this is a young offensive line. Your left side is Jonah Jackson and Panay Sewell. Like you're talking about a 20 year old kid and a guy who's in his second year in the NFL. He's a damn good 20-year-old kid, though. You're talking about Matt Nelson, who's over on the right tackle, who's still learning how to play the position. So I, I think as far as, as far as the Lions' ability to do things on offense, Jared Goff is an extension of the coaching staff. So I think in the second half, right, in the second half they realize, okay, the dump-offs are working. Let's just get it to the guys who can make plays happen, yep. and then let's see, let, let's see them make, make plays. DeAndre Swift made plays. That guy yes. needs the ball a lot more. Dan Campbell talked about it leading up to this game. Guess what? He needs it even more. He needs it more than he's getting right now. Okay. Can I ask? Ha- yeah, I was going to say the other thing. TJ Hawkinson, almost almost a ghost in this game. Only a couple was- of catches, ten yards. Like I, I need, I need more TJ Hawkinson. Sure. Would you say, I don't want to ask you, Ryan, on this, because I know you carried a lot of it. Is Khalif Raymond going to be able to make those plays for you? Or is that kind of a week to week? Quintus Cephas also very quiet in this game after the receiver. The whole, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the other part of the equation here is golf does not trust his receivers. Except and whether for that's Raymond for some reason. Well, well because Khalif Raymond is, is a weapon with the ball in his hands. He's a speedy mm-hmm. guy that, that gets a bunch of yak. That's what it was in this game. He had a bunch of yak. Yeah. So but, quick passes to those guys. So it, it again, it, it it, is it the coaching? Is it Jared Goff? Is it the receivers? It, the answer is all of it, right? Like the receivers probably aren't getting too far wide open. The, the shots that, that Goff did take downfield, no one seemed particularly open. I'm, I was glad to see him finally throw a couple in this game, but no one was open. They, they got a pass interference call on, on one of them, and, and the other one could have also potentially resulted in a, in a pass interference penalty. But like, I'm on our St. Brown. Like, where's that guy? Where, where's the trust there? He's a guy that's also should be like a short yardage phenom but they haven't gotten him involved cod daryl hodge like that that's your is that your number two today like he, he what, made a great play he made a great play in punt coverage <laughs> great great <laughs> no that's the point I, though right yeah 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 it's just like n- nothing this this offense is one dimensional in the one dimensional way you don't want to be one dimensional like if teams are pass happy you can make that work because passing is how you gain a ton of yards in this league. If you got good protection, you can make it work. But if you can only run the ball some of the time, like what what, what do you do? 
when you're in the, the, inside the two-minute warning and you need a first down? Do you just try to run your head into the wall three times? Well, didn't work out that time. I really wanted to play action on second down because that's when you're least expecting it. Everyone is expecting it on third down. Uh, but anyways, I, I got way off topic. Basically, my assessment of the offense, obviously it was horrible in the first half. Way, I mean, I felt like I was watching Michigan's offense in, in the second half from, from yesterday. Don't bring um, that into my podcast. Don't way, bring way, way too many mistakes on third down. The, the fourth down things with the offsides was ridiculous. And like, there was just no, no rhythm to, to what they were trying to do. And then like, you know, you want to spin it positively. They, they changed their approach in the second half and it works a hell of a lot better. Like, did they punt in the second half? I feel like they, they barely punt. No, they didn't touchdown, touchdown field goal, three possessions, which is probably good because a very rare Jack Fox shank in this game. True. Kind of had me scurry. But he pinned them inside the five. As he well, he so. did. He did. Again, thanks to Kaderil Hodge on that too. So it, it just, I think that's what kills me though. It's like your three offensive drives were touchdown, touchdown, field goal. And the only reason it was a field goal is because you let it be a field goal. Yeah, that, that field goal off an interception too. You got gifted that too. Like, and that drive starts yeah. so favorable for you. And gifted like, it, but you also forced the interception. No, I mean, the, but I mean, the pressure get the yeah. defense gifted that to the offense. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, a, a gift for us is what happened at halftime. And we're going to wrap up the show talking about this. Um, a tale of booze, a tale of cheers, a tale that just won't seem to go away. And other notes that we have from the game as we wrap up Pride of Detroit theater cast. And wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast with the boy. It's this again, huh? This is uh, excuse me while I look over our totally real uh, rundown here. And uh, yep, it's written right. Talk about what happened at halftime. Okay. Okay. Um, So for those who don't didn't see halftime, Calvin Johnson given his Hall of Fame ceremony there, his number and all the rest, um, cheered very loudly, which is fantastic. Then up comes uh, Sheila Ford Hamp, and that's, that stadium was the loudest it will be right up until that fourth quarter where they got loud for the Lions to try to get that defensive stop. Uh, Ryan, I want to go to you on this because we have some fairly nuanced ideas on booing and the ownership because once again it kind of sends everything spiraling and we'll talk about the calvin johnson angle for it but just on the subject of booing an owner i have no problems in an ether booing a billionaire in fact i think they should be booed every day of their lives because that kind of wealth is obscene so we'll just i i, I want to throw that to you there yeah i here's here's my overarching point as a fan you buy a ticket and that gives you the right to go into the game However, just because you bought the ticket and you have the right to go into the game doesn't mean every way you voice your opinion is going to be correct. With that being said, I think that every Lions fan was well within their rights to do what they did at halftime. And I say that 
from a couple of standpoints. One, and we talked about this, Chris, in the post game. Go to Calvin Johnson's likes on Twitter and, and and look at the things that he liked before the game. Very, very interesting what he's liking before the game. Why, why don't you fill in the, the audience of what he was liking before the game? Let's say that he was liking things from, I don't know, people with like the gruffy Spartan logo as their Twitter icon <laughs> saying things like pay the damn man his money. Calvin Johnson did everything he can to defuse that situation. And kudos to Calvin Johnson for doing that. That was a that was a prime thing for him to do. Like that was an upstanding thing for him to do. Sheila Fordham, you have to know you're going into the lion's den. No pun intended. Like you you have to realize you have to realize everything that has come before you. And you have to realize the situation that the people before you put the people in positions of power to make decisions that they made with Calvin Johnson have a lasting impact. Like when he comes to show up at the halftime of an NFL football game, when just three months ago, he wasn't willing to talk about your organization at all during your hall, his hall of fame speech. The fans were within their rights to boo when they booed. I can't be moved off this, but I would love to hear Jeremy's thoughts on it. Well, I think my first thought is the Lions don't get a chance to boo ownership very often. Yeah, they never show up. I don't I don't (laughs) blame them one bit for doing it when they had the opportunity. And by the way, they're they're not alone. John Mara showed up at the Giants game and everyone rained booze down on him. Right. Um, I, I mean, I literally can't remember the last time a Lions owner spoke in front of fans. And so, yeah, this this probably is just a lingering thing that has been bubbling and bubbling and bubbling and Lions fans finally got the opportunity and it spread like wildfire across forward field. And I get it. Was anything accomplished by booing it by booing? Probably not. I mean, you're booing someone who had nothing to do with the fact that Calvin Johnson had his money taken from him back in, in 2017. It wasn't her fault. It was certainly her predecessor's fault. And I don't think it's particularly her fault that it hasn't been resolved at this point because the Lions are in a really tough position now. They can't repay Calvin Johnson's money in any sort of reasonable, easy way like Calvin Johnson wants. And, and Calvin Johnson's being a little bit unreasonable, but he's also pissed. And he's, he's allowed to be pissed about a mistake that was made four years ago. He just is. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, it's a serious mistake the organization made. He's still pissed at him. Rod Wood wasn't anywhere near on that field. And I don't oh. think that was a coincidence. Yeah, um, I, that was kind of weird that he didn't show up. I, yeah, I, I also think it's more than just the Calvin Johnson thing. It's just once again, like the meme of the of the Fords sell the team yeah. and all the bad decisions. That's still there underneath 100%. all of it. too. Yep. that is never going to go away. That is never going to go away. And yeah, I think it is somewhat unfair to lump that on Sheila Ford Hamp, especially when the team still you know, flaunts around William Clay Ford patches and honors the man who probably did a lot of terrible decisions on the Lions. Like, and I, I get it. You should. He's dead. You shouldn't speak ill of dead. Ah, da, 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 da. But that's the reality of it. I agree, though, with Ryan in that in this particular case, when it comes to Ford versus Johnson, Nobody's a damn winner here. Like on one hand, I understand Calvin Johnson completely because 
he shouldn't have had his money taken away. And it is a bit, a bit egregious to, and it is a bit of a slap in the face from his perspective to be asked to do more work for something that you already didn't do the work. I mean, that you didn't need to do the work with, to begin with for it, that it's suddenly now a, 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 a prerequisite. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, Chris, you're aligning yourself with the proletariat. Nothing is shocking about this take. Yeah, so far. I know. Right. Right. Well, just just hold hold on. But at the same time, I at least sympathize with the fours that they seem to have their their hands tied. They can't do anything about it. I mean, certainly they can't go and say, hey, we can just cut you a check from the Ford Motor Company because Sheila Ford Amp doesn't have control of the Ford bleeping motor company. She can't really mention- do that. Here, and, and it's also skirting the, the cap. Like that's, that's right, the that's main issue is that everyone because feels so like you're many. skirting the cap because you can't just hand money to someone that you took money away from, from, you know, trying to take away cap space. You can't just slide that underneath right, the table because I that, think, that opens up a terrible can of worms, which makes I also think, this whole thing. I also think besides that he is our, our good friend, Calvin Johnson. It's no longer about the money to him. It is about sending a message, as Heath Ledger says. It's about sending a message. He's pissed off at the organization, and he will keep getting to hold that grudge until he feels like letting it go. And I can respect that power. I can respect that power. He can, I can also call him a dick for that power, too. It's a dick move. Some yep. dick moves can be very, very liberating. I love when I get to pull off a dick move because it feels liberating. Because Calvin Johnson has that power and gets to use it in a dickish way. This is why I say when it ultimately boils down to it, after I've balanced everything, I'm just going to default to booing the billionaire. I was going to say that we should elevate this concern to the NFL level. And this isn't. This isn't me making a joke out of it. But I think the Lions should be able to go back to the NFL and they should be able to say, look. We had people who were in position, Rodwood who had never been in football before. They made some poor decisions when it came to cap, you know, management and, and, and payroll. We need to make things right with Calvin Johnson. How can we do that? Have Calvin Johnson be a part of that discussion. Like that needs to be a three, that needs to be a three, three way discussion. Like that can't be something I, because I agree. Like, I think everybody's hands are tied. Like I, Calvin Johnson should not do any more work to make the money back. That should have been given to him in the first place. The lions, what are they supposed to do? They, they can't do anything other than try to get him to do work so that they can cut him a check. Like the NFL is at fault here. The NFL is at fault with everything. Jeremy, I can get you on board right now. Ready? Do you subscribe to all 22 coaches film anymore? Okay. okay. Well, well I, here, I do. Do you know why? Because I paid for it. Because Ooh, I paid NFL. for it and they, and they won't let me refund it. Here's where I think where Ryan's right in that if this situation was happening with the Cowboys, they'd probably be changing the rule right away. Oh, because Jerry Jones. No, no, no. no, 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 no that's You're doing the same thing that all these people are complaining about with the shadow penalties. Oh, no, no, the, because the Jerry Jones are, the shadow commissioner. Especially picked on. No, no, no. No, I'm you, saying that Jerry Jones is They're not going to make a loophole for the... The thing that having that three-way conversation is going to help with is hearing... Is, is Calvin Johnson hearing from the NFL, I'm sorry, this is the only way we, that they can give you this money, is by having you work. And, and maybe you blow off the work. He'll yeah, blow off the work. He doesn't. Like, I mean, you, you are... 
circumventing yeah, the salary no, cap. And that no. is a, that is a, a loophole that you do not want to open because Bill Belichick will rip it open like it's the the fucking what's the name of the the butthole thing? Whatever. Goatsy. Goatsy. He will he will goatsy Don't that ask loophole. Me how I know that. <laughs> Ryan's done, I think. Um <laughs> Christ. What the fuck is this podcast? <laughs> but here, I do have what one more point. Thing? I do have one more point that I want to make on here. And it's it's again a little bit of cluelessness from ownership, right? Like they didn't see this coming. Sheila Fordham thought it would be a good idea to take 90 seconds and introduce Calvin Johnson. And and maybe 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 it was right for her not to expect that because maybe she thought I'm not my predecessors. I'm not I'm not William Clayford. I'm not Bill Clayford. I'm not even Sheila Ford Hamp, I'm my own person. They're not going to boo me. But that whole thing was the guy from the Pro Football Hall of Fame talking for three minutes, Sheila Ford Hamp trying for 90 seconds to talk, no one being able to hear her, and then Calvin Johnson talks for 30 seconds. We want to hear from Calvin! Everyone was cheering Calvin. Shut yeah, the this hell is, up this, this and is, put this is, Calvin up there. That, this is basically like the Lions equivalent. This is, I mean, we say it all the time when an owner touches the trophy first. Like, that's just the attitude where things have gone. Like, we don't want to hear from the owners at all. No. Like, and I know she was probably like, this was, this was her olive branch. This was her chance to, to make things right and say something really nice to the public about, yeah, look, no. she's standing there with Calvin Johnson. They're, they're, they're playing nice. The guy that's cheering that everyone is cheering is right next to you. Put him in front of the podium. <laughs> and this is that's why I say you should boo billionaires. Cause this was a terrible idea from the get go. It was, it was, they always have bad ideas. Jeremy. He yep. always. And she's, she, I mean, that's it. Like, she's not talking publicly again, right? Like, no, she'll, no, she'll, talk, no. she'll talk to the, she might talk to us. She is not stepping in front of a mic in, on Ford Field ever again, I don't think. Dude, like, and, these, these fans fine. have been baying for the Ford family to get out of town for, like, 30-plus years now. Yeah. Like, I know that's not on her. As I said, a lot of that's on William Clay Ford III. But honest, like, the sins of the father, et cetera, et cetera. Like, no, no, but some, there is a whole group of fans who are not going to hear reason, rational thought on this or anything. I've tried engaging with them for years. It doesn't matter anything you say to them about how the next kind of like it won't change anything on ownership or this and this wasn't an ownership fault or something. It doesn't matter. It's it, it is it is irrational. I can respect irrational. I also find it just banal sometimes, especially in this in this one. Anyway, I, I will um, say really quick that I was surprised because I think this is proof again that Twitter is not real life because it feels like Lions fans are split 50-50 on the Calvin Johnson ownership thing, right? For a while, especially now that the, the yeah. ownership is actually trying. It felt like it was a 50-50 split. Like some people were like, Calvin's being an asshole. Just accept what it is. And, and Oh yeah, and the fan base is turned on Calvin. Fan base is turned on Calvin because I think that most, for most, Jeremy, for most normal people, most yeah. normal people, you tell them, hey, 28 hours, you make, you know, you'll, you'll get a couple million over the course of, of a couple years. You give us 28 hours across those years. They would say, great, sign me the bleep right. up. The problem is Calvin Johnson is not one of those people because he's got more, a lot more money than that. And as I said, this seems a lot more about sending a message than right. getting a little extra money because you're desperate to put that away in your 401k. But my overall point is that 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 is not what was represented on Ford Field. Mm -hmm. Lions fans were unanimous 
in their praise of Calvin Johnson and unanimous in saying fuck you to ownership, which is crazy to me given how much we've squabbled over this thing for the past four years of saying who's wrong, who's right. Calvin needs to be stop being such a diva. Ownership needs to be stop being such cheap bastards. Everyone is in the same camp on Sunday. They were saying, fuck you, ownership. Calvin Johnson, you're a legend. We love you. Yeah. Uh, Final notes here before we get out of here. Now that we've burned all that out. Are you guys looking forward to the Bears? Yes. I said, I don't, (laughs) I don't think I said it on the podcast, but I, it's not hyperbole when I say that this is the, one of the most excited times I've had being a quote unquote Lions fan in the past five years. Like, I, I mean, going back to the 2016 season, like this is one of the, the most excited I've been looking forward to a divisional game against a team that seems like it is in a similar situation when it comes to being down in the dumps. And this coaching staff has an opportunity to prove itself like in in every sense. And I'm I'm really looking forward to see how this team responds from such an emotional loss. I think the Bears offense will probably bounce back a little bit because I still think the Lions defense needs a lot of work, but um, they're down in the dumps right now. That's that's for sure. That team looks like a mess. Well, I mean, Khalil Mack might not be in that game. Well, I, I know he got injured in, at this at some point in this game. I don't know if he came back or not, but we don't know if, who the quarterback is going to be. Justin Fields did not look great today, getting sacked nine times, and um, I don't think Bears fans are, are, even, are any more excited about Andy Dalton, so... I will say this. I will say this is that we talked about the front seven here a little bit, getting that pressure on Lamar Jackson. The Bears offensive line should be as if not more vulnerable to that kind of pressure. Yeah. So I hope to see a lot more Julian O'Quara. I think that's it. Let's get out of here. This has been a very bizarre uh, POD cast. There has been references to unmentionable things, accusations during the break of racism and uh Involving Italians, don't worry. It's not actual racism. Um, there's been yelling. There's been fighting. Um, our friend Kyle from Baltimore B-Town keeps trying to invade our recording booth. Right now, he's waiting for us to get out of here. So uh, let's just let's just put this whole cursed game, cursed by a Philip by by a by a by a Tucker field goal that shouldn't have gone in. Let's put this all to bed. We've, we've decided that? we're antichrist field goal. Let's not antichrist say field goal. Hail, yeah. hail Satan. Yeah. Well, All right. Jer- Jeremy likes to call him Justin Cucker. <laughs> wow. Okay. See you star side folks. Bye.